This podcast is brought to you by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. We help you sell less and advise more by turning you into a recognized subject matter authority. Visit us at proudmouth.com to learn more about our Influence Accelerator services. Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now, here's your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutin. Welcome to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. Your host here, John Cutton. I hope everybody is well. Uh, today, I have what I hope is a treat for everyone. I was recently a guest on the Think to Perform podcast, Making the Ideal Real. Uh, to our frequent listeners, you'd know that I've had Ray Kelly uh, from Think to Perform on past episodes. And what I had the opportunity with uh, Ryan Goulard, who's the host over there at Think to Perform, uh, was to talk about leading a culture of transformation. Uh, and we've gotten some really nice feedback on the podcast and not sure how many of our listeners follow Making the Ideal Real, which I would highly recommend. But what we were going to do today is simply replay my interview, uh, but with me being interviewed uh, on the Making the Ideal podcast. So with that being said, we're going to roll it and I hope you enjoy. When you're a CEO of a business, it runs without you, right? And you're in a spot that you are able to cast vision and you're able to put people in the right spot for them to actually grow and develop and bring your vision to life. That's to me what a good leader actually does. And what I realized is I was just kind of telling people what to do and, you know, proverbially banging my fist on the desk, right? Saying, I don't get it. You, I, it's so clear, right? This is where we're headed. Why are you, you know, why are you not doing it? And at some point I had a mentor years ago and he used to say all the time, it's the leader, it's the leader, it's always the leader. That's John Cutton, CEO of Cutton Wealth Management. We're talking about culture transformation. I'm Ryan Goulart, and you are making the ideal real. John, welcome to Making the Ideal Real. Thanks, Ryan. Super, uh, super excited to be here today. Big, uh, big fan of your podcast. So thanks for uh, for giving back. Yeah, well, and as a fr as a frequent listener, now uh, guest, you know where I'm going with this first question that we'll lead off with. What does making the ideal real mean to you? Yeah, I, I love that question. Um, you know, I, I did give it a little thought, Ryan. I'm still going to probably give you an answer that's all over the place. So, so bear with me. Um, you know, to, to me, um, and I, I haven't always used the words making the ideal world uh, real, but I don't know if the listeners remember the old movie, Jerry Maguire. Um, remember Jerry Maguire, Ryan? Yeah. So if you remember Cuba Gooding Jr. in that movie, had this saying, Quan, right? And Quan was kind of like having it all. And, you know, I, I would share to me, you know, making the ideal real is how do you find that Quan? How do you find that balance in life uh, where your personal life, right? Your professional life, uh, your health, right? 
all of those things, all of those core values that are really important to you um, when you're actually living in alignment most of the time with that. Um, that's when you feel, you know, in my opinion, at least that your best best self. And, you know, what's interesting um, is for me, I always have a hard time getting into it. One one piece right of the life always seems to take uh, more of your attention and energy. And I feel like that's that proverbial hole in the boat, right, where you constantly are uh, are kind of plugging up holes. So I could share it's something I even struggle with uh, personally and I'm constantly working on is how do you kind of build the systems and processes um, so that you can live in alignment more of the time. Uh, and you know, I've learned from Doug and Ray and, and others that um, it's okay to not be in it 100% of the time because it, it may actually be impossible. Love that answer. And it, it makes me think about what you said about, you know, the that living in alignment is, is a, it's difficult and it's a work in progress always. So, how do you balance that? That like once you understand understand that it's not, um, it's always a work in progress. How do you come to terms with that and feel comfortable moving with it? It's a challenge. I mean, um, I'm you know as a as a I think a lot a lot of high achievers are really hard on themselves, right? So you know the reality of it is a big part of what I try to balance is I do do a lot of podcast listening, right? Yours being one of them. I do a lot of reading, big John Maxwell fan, uh, you know, as well as uh, Dan Sullivan fan. Um, you know, just as an aside, you know, I, it, for the listeners, if they haven't read it yet, in fact, I passed it along, I think, to, to, uh, to Ray on your team recently. Uh, Sullivan just wrote a book um, very recently uh, called The Gap in the Game. Have you gotten the chance to read that one no. yet, Ryan? It's, it's a really quick read, uh, and it's amazing, and really... The theory of the gap in the gain is particularly high achievers. Um, they what they do is they live most of their life in the gap, right? So the the gap meaning they're thinking about what they could be, right? They're measuring themselves as as you know the book says forward, meaning they're looking at it and going, man, instead of saying, hey, my business did you know a million dollars in revenue last year, whatever type of business you might run. Um, and I'm only at 1.1 million this year, right? And I wanted to be at 1.2 million um, to measure backward, backwards, right? And to live more in the gain than the gap and to look back and say, man, where was I 10 years ago? I was struggling. I could barely pay my bills, barely pay my rent. I thought I was going to claim bankruptcy. And I you know, was doing 100,000 in revenue and couldn't even afford a staff person or a teammate, right? Um, so... I constantly, Ryan, try to, um, you know, it, it's a challenge, but try to surround myself with people a lot smarter than I am, which isn't that hard to do, luckily, um, that can actually help keep me grounded and just sort of think about things a little bit differently, sort of try to appreciate, uh, you know, where, where you've gone by measuring backwards as opposed to constantly looking forward, which is, by the way, my DNA is to always be three to five years or 10 years ahead. So it's, a, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. Well, and I, I, it's a great answer. And I, I think the, um, it, it makes me think about a lot of the things that I know you've learned and from, uh, the colleagues I have here at think to perform and, and how you're connecting these dots about, uh, looking to the future and trying to position the boat for the future, you know, with, with what you've done here recently and, uh, the work that you continue to do, 
you, you've really made a, an effort in transforming your culture. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that means for you and how it connects to what you just articulated with uh, being in a high achiever and looking forward? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, just some uh, some data that might be helpful or some data points, um, Ryan. So I've been uh, I built a, a wealth management business. I've been uh, at it since 1994. Uh, so it's been a little while now. And, you know, like everyone, as you build a business, um, you know, you learn and you grow. And I, I always like to say, you know, very few businesses are purposefully planned. Meaning if I said to you, hey, you know, in 1994, I thought one day I'd have a business my size with 100 plus employees and I'd be in the CEO role, I'd be completely lying to you, right? So uh, I was just trying to build a business and, you know, make, make a couple of bucks so I can, you know, afford a, a house and a car and provide for a family eventually and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but, you know, at, as I think about it, I got to a point in my career um, where, uh, like a lot of successful entrepreneurs and business owners, where I had cash flow confidence, meaning I was saving enough for my future, I had enough money to do the things I wanted and uh, right to, to pay for my kids' college and, uh, you know, above and beyond probably what was necessary, right, which was a really great place to get. Um, and I was stuck a little bit. I mean, to be honest, I was kind of like, um, you know, on pause and kind of wondering, you know, once, once you, when you spend so much time saying, well, how do I get to a level that I can have a nice car and a nice house and put money away from my future and all that kind of good stuff. Once you get there, um, like I said, it's easy to stay in the gap, right? And to think of, you know, ahead, but there wasn't a lot that I aspired to do. I'm a pretty simple guy, um, you know, from a financial perspective. Um, but I've always been a leadership guy, right? So, you know, back in the day, um, I had a, about a seven or eight year stint in leadership, which was always my, my love, really what I, you know, was kind of a student of and enjoyed doing. And, um, you know, I met Ray Kelly about five or six years ago um, and ultimately engaged Ray a couple of years after that, right, as a consultant. And, you know, what he really helped me do, and I know it sounds corny, um, but is to really think about from a, a personal and a business perspective, what my calling was like, what, what, what is it um, that gives me the satisfaction that I still want to, you know, be up working at 630 or seven o'clock in the morning and put in a 10 or 12 hour day um, because I actually want to, and I'm getting the satisfaction out of the work that I was doing. And I was really at a point where money wasn't the motivator uh, anymore. And what I realized, Ryan, was my calling was helping other people get what they wanted for themselves. Right. How could I actually take my knowledge, my experience, all of the learnings that I've had and help influence others to change their behaviors? Because not that I figured it all out, but I figured some of it out uh, through help of others and mentorship. And that's really where I've gotten my satisfaction, right, in helping other people get what they want for themselves. And we really started to focus on that probably about three years ago. Um, and I can share with you, I had the, the, as soon as we started to focus, not on driving revenue or driving profits, right, but on creating culture of helping others get what they want for themselves, um, all of a sudden the business has exploded and more than doubled uh, over a three-year period of time, almost twofold, uh, you know, a 200% increase 
uh, maybe even greater than that than where we were, right? And there's some other factors as to why that happened as well. Um, but that to me was really kind of like that inflection point, um, if you will. And, you know, Ray, when I first engaged Ray, he asked me really two really important questions, uh, Ryan. One was um, he, he asked me what I thought about the culture, right? And if I thought it was a culture um, that is a, a, a culture that's vision-based or if it was a culture that is more kind of, I forget the exact words he used to be honest, um, but uh, kind of like a, he called it a John says culture, right? Where everybody kind of looked at me um, for the answers and for the direction. And it was clearly a John says culture, right? I, I, it was, here's how we're going to do it. You all work for me. Let's go ahead and actually, uh, you know, do it and go, go, go out there and do the hard work, et cetera. Um, and Ray helped me really understand that, um, you know, in order to build a much larger organization, people want to be part of something bigger, right, than themselves. And they want to be part of shaping the vision and really understand where the organization's going. So I know that's broad, but that was a really important piece. And then the second really good question, and I will pause eventually, Ryan, uh, that, uh, that Ray had asked me uh, is, you know, he taught me this whole process. And I know Ray has talked about it on your podcast before um, about the five levels of leadership, um, which is the simplest concept, one of the simplest concepts once you understand it that I've ever heard, right? And there's two different five levels of leadership. There's a Maxwell one, which is great as well. But then I call it the Ray Kelly one, which I think he stole from somebody else, but uh, be that as it may. And um, really what I realized that if I didn't develop additional leaders in the organization, the organization couldn't grow beyond my broad shoulders. And my shoulders are pretty broad. I work pr really hard. I'm pretty, you know, pretty good at what I do. But there would be no way to build what we're building unless we have this culture of leaders developing leaders. And the five levels of leadership uh, is very much ingrained in our culture now. Um, and advisors and staff and teammates are looking to really uh, develop as leaders and, and uh, it's have a huge impact. I have so many questions. So I'm gonna <laughs> uh, just pick one. And you know, you mentioned that you know, Ray asked these intentional questions to learn a little bit more about your culture, the vision, your leadership style. And you also mentioned that leadership and helping people get what they want for themselves has is a is a passion of yours. Where where did that shift happen where you realized that in order for you to get what you want and in order for the business to grow, you had to do things differently? What what did that look like? Uh, as a, a financial advisor, so you are, you're uh, in the financial services industry, how did you begin to connect your use of time with that uh, that allowed you to make the, that shift? Because I think that's yeah, extremely great, great. hard for a lot of different, uh, whether you're in financial services or a small business owner or a leader to looking to get what they want for themselves, that mind shit, mindset shift is so, so interesting. And I'd be curious to learn a little bit more about yours. Yeah, so, super, uh, you know, in, insightful question. And I think you're exactly right. Whether, whether it's financial services or you run a widget factory, leadership is leadership, right? And nothing gets done 
uh, in my opinion, right, without without really good leadership. Um, so, you know, from an inflection point perspective, I think I was just in a point to to be totally transparent um, where I felt a lot like I was being let down by the people in my organization, meaning I had this vision. It was in my head and I knew exactly where I wanted to go. And for most of my career, and that's what happens, Ryan, right, is um, again, what it doesn't matter what type of business it is, most business owners really are folks that have worked really hard. They're good at what they've done. They're pretty good usually at sales in some way, shape or form, right? And prospecting. Um, and they're able to build a business around them that isn't really a business. What it really is, is it's a really high paying job, right? Where they were really good at something. So they built themselves a career that they have to show up every day and they've got to whether it be, you know, selling the widgets, right? Or if you're a financial advisor, working with the clients and working on the business development and doing everything on their own. And, um, you know, ultimately, um, you know, you can't scale a, a real enterprise, a business. To me, a real business, Ryan, when you're a CEO of a business, it runs without you, right? And you're in a spot that you are able to cast vision and you're able to put people in the right spot for them to actually grow and develop and bring your vision to life. That's to me what a good leader actually does. And what I realized is I was just kind of telling people what to do and, you know, proverbially, not for real, but banging my fist on the desk, right? Saying, I don't get it. You, I, it's so clear, right? This is where we're headed. Why are you, you know, why are you not doing it? And um, at some point I had a mentor years ago um, I'll give him a, a shout out. His name is Tom Nicolosi. I'm sure you know Tom as well, uh, Ryan. And he used to say all the time, it's the leader, it's the leader, it's always the leader. And he probably stole that from Doug because I think everything <laughs> that a lot of us say these days was stolen from Doug. Um, but when I started to look at it and say, it, it's not the people, this has been going on for years that I've had this vision, this frustration. And then I just said, let me take it back and I'll go do it myself. Right. And um, ultimately, you have to have some self-awareness. Right. And how it all comes together and go, well, maybe it's me. Right. I'm the leader. If I've got 40 folks in my organization and they're not getting it, it might just be my approach. Right. And with Ray's help and Doug's help and reading, et cetera, um, what I really realized is I was not helping everyone see the vision. I was not giving them the right leadership so that they can develop and ultimately bring the vision to life. And in a lot of cases, Ryan, I didn't have the right people, right? So I actually had to go out as well. Um, again, I keep quoting books here, but Sullivan, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah, Sullivan also has a great book, Who Not How, right? Um, which means you don't need to know how to do everything in your business, right? You don't need to, I don't, I don't know how anymore to place a trade as a financial advisor. So that's okay as long as I have who's, people who are good at doing that in the organization and they can execute on it. I just need to know that that's a role that I need and put the right you know, body, if you will, who that's their unique ability and something that they're good at and appreciate doing in that spot. So I don't know if that exactly answered your question, but I think it came from the frustration would be really the short answer of saying, 
you know, we're still growing, we're doing a good job, we're successful, but man, this thing isn't moving the way that I actually wanted. And until we started to really um, get to know what was important to our employees, what their woody woofies are, right? Which I think most of your listen- listeners would know what a woody woofie is. For those mm-hmm. who don't, it stands for what do you want for yourself? Um, once we got to really understand that, it was a lot easier to lead the folks in the organization. Hey, listeners, Ryan here. You heard John talk about self-awareness. One tool you can use to create self-awareness is the freeze exercise. Answer these three questions. What are you thinking right now? What are you feeling right now? And what are you doing right now? Those three questions asked multiple times each day will give you awareness you need to be a great leader. So you're, you're realizing that you might need to change your approach in leadership. You have to help get, uh, help understand from an employee's perspective what they want for themselves. What did you notice were some skills that you needed to develop to be able to execute on that new awareness that you had? Yep. Yeah. Um, so from, you know, from, from my perspective, there were a couple of really important things. Number one, um, particularly when people work, for you, right, in your organization for a long time, um, they they know who you are, right? So if you if you've been right, you know, there's a saying: leaders are either directors or connectors, right? And usually you need to be a chameleon, right? So a, a director is more of a manager. Here, you know, go do your job because I said so, right? I'm the boss, etc. Um, where a connector um, is more of someone who really gets to know their followers, right? Those that they're leading, gets to understand what makes them tick, what their goals are, and builds much more of a relationship. And I I think a great leader, right, has to have both in their arsenal. Sometimes you need to direct, sometimes you need to connect, and every, you know, everyone in your organization needs a little bit of a different style. And from time to time, um, you know, those styles will need to ultimately switch as well. Um, But I, I think when I, you know, when I think about how we went about it and how we needed to change, um, it was, you know, again, not to make this an infomercial for, for, you know, Ray and Doug and think to perform, but I think we really needed um, systems and processes um, and the, what I'll call the tools, right? So that we can build common language and communication within the organization. And I, I knew some of it, but I didn't know all of the tools and exactly the process around how to go about it. And Ray, who's the person I work mostly with, brought me those systems and tools. And what he was really amazing at as well, I think this is really important, is he was a prophet from a different land. So, you know, I've got folks in my organization who have been with me for literally 20, you know, I've been in business since 94. I, you know, one of my employees started in 95 and has been with me, you know, since that period of time. So we have a lot of tenure and um, those folks view me a certain way, right? So when, when, when you go from being a director and not, you know, this, this John says culture to try to go to this visionary culture, it confuses people, right? It confuses your followers. It's like, who's this guy? 
who's this guy who all of a sudden wants to know about what I did this weekend because all he cared about, you know, a week or two ago um, was did I drive my business results, et cetera. So, you know, we created a whole system with Ray's help around teaching leadership development within the organization and, you know, executing on a lot of what I'll call the tools um, like Woody Woofy, like level five levels of leadership, like the situational leadership model, like the freeze game, all the things that you all teach, we learned it together. And why I had a head start, and of course learned it first, um, I actually decided to bring in a profit from another land and me support it and sort of step aside a little bit. And quite frankly, Ray is my leadership who, right? And my leadership team supports it, um, but he's really, he's a lot better at it than we were. And we thought it was just smarter to bring in uh, someone who was really good at it and a profit from another land. And it's worked out unbelievably well. Awesome. No, and even as we uh, look at the future too, I mean, you, the future of financial services, the future of cotton wealth management, and you create sustainability, how, how have what you, the foundation that you've made in leadership and the, this culture, how has that helped with sustainment uh, for your legacy, your vision, all of those things that come with that word of sustainability? Yep. Yeah. So in full transparency, we're not completely there yet, right? Lots and lots of work to do. Um, and leadership in particular and culture is it's one of those things that it does take a while, right? It doesn't change overnight. A lot of the culture stuff just has to do with trust, right? Where ultimately the people in your organization, when the people in the organization start to really view you as a servant leader, as your, your real goal, right? And, and it's okay to want to make more money yourself and grow your net worth and, uh, you know, and have accolades yourself. But to me, a servant leader is putting the people, right? Your, your people, your followers before yourself, right? So I think that's a really, you know, just key point that not exactly in line with your question, Ryan, but that it was a, was a key to success. You have to demonstrate that with consistency, right? And build up trust over time. Um, and as our leaders are developing, um, you know, again, when you think about five levels of leadership, again, just a brief refresher for everyone, right? A level one leader can simply complete a task, right? When asked to do it and get the job done. A level two leader can do what a level one leader could do, but they could also identify a problem, right? And understand what's wrong uh, in the organization. Most organizations are filled with level twos. So if you're a leader uh, and you're getting a lot of, hey, this isn't working, or let me tell you why it's not working, or we need more help or more staff or more technology or you know whatever it may be, more resources, you probably have a fair amount of level twos if you're hearing that a lot in your organization. A level three can do the same things that a level one and level two can do, but they can actually solve problems on their own and figure out the solution on their own. A level four can do all the same things, right, without repeating them and taking too much time, but a, a four can also influence a group, right, around a common goal, i.e. solve, right, that problem, which, you know, to me, you know, if you can fill your organization with a lot of level threes that are self-sufficient and can solve problems, the business will grow. Once you develop a couple of level fours in the organization, 
all of a sudden, you're not on your own to lead the organization. You have someone else who has influence and can take an initiative and get a group of people to go accomplish that initiative, which you know, it sounds really simple, but when it starts to happen in your own organization and you can just go, I want to go this way, Northeast, right? And you don't even have to think about it. And six months later, whatever it was you said, might not be exactly the way you envisioned it, might not be 100% of the results you could have driven on your own. But if you can get to 80% of where you wanted to go and have someone else do it, oh my goodness, the value that that has in your organization and the growth that it creates is absolutely insane. And then of course, a level five can do all the things a one through four could do, but they really are in a spot that they can develop more level four and five leaders. And ultimately they tie everything back to the vision, mission values uh, of the organization, right? So when you think about that in those terms, um, you know, I would say reasonably in my organization, we've probably got four level fours now. And I could share with you that, you know, three years ago, I was the only level four in the organization, right? One or two, by the way, were developed, actually two, two I would say, were developed, meaning they, they were in my ecosystem three years ago, and two were actually recruited. They came in from the outside because I was really looking for that talent, right, to develop some who. So I share that just to say it might take years, right, in some cases, to get someone from a level one to a level four. And when you find that right person and you give them the right ecosystem to grow, they get there really quickly, though. And as, you know what that means to the company, you know, Ryan, which I think was your actual question, by the way, is um, it, it's the the, um, it, the the business is now really a self-running organization. Like literally, um, I feel like I don't intend to. I could go take a year sabbatical, um, and I think the business would you know wouldn't grow exactly the way it would if I was here. But when I came back. Um, I think the business would be stronger than it was when I left it. I think it would grow, right? And I think that it would it would continue to develop and blossom as a business. Um, and that's all because we've got these four, right, level four leaders, and we've got probably three or four others that are on their way to being there. Um, and where we're headed, the vision is so clear for everyone in the organization. You know, I'm trying to drop a lot in one podcast, but. One of the other things that, uh, and I love when Ray tells this story, it's a great story, right? Um, you know, he talks about communication times 10, right? I'm sure you've heard him talk about that as well, Ryan. And um, it's really awkward when you do it, when you're constantly stating your vision and your values and your mission, you think people are kind of looking at you, right? Like, et cetera. So Ray tells a story how, um, you know, I won't use the name, but, you know, old CEO at American Express back in the day um, that Ray had reported to um, would literally start every presentation he ever met made with the vision, mission, values of the organization. And Ray was always thinking to himself, man, this guy needs a different, you know, kind of like uh, uh, script writer or, you know, or, or whatever it may be to write his speeches for him. And I can say I remember when I was a new business person thinking the same thing, like this guy just keeps repeating himself or this this woman keeps repeating herself. Um, and like, I get it. But the reality of it is, is if you don't hear it and if you as a leader aren't communicating 10 times more than you think you should, where you're going, why you're getting there, what your vision, mission, value, 
purpose is, your people will forget it. Because remember, it's really your vision that you're trying to get others to buy into. It's not the vision that your administrative person or your you know executive assistant or your business development person or salesperson developed on their own. And ultimately, once people trust that vision and see it, it gives them something as long as it's the right vision, right, to latch on to and really feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves, uh, which to me is the key to really maximizing the opportunity with your, you know, with your human capital. Awesome. What would be two things as we as we wrap this up? What would be two things for someone, a small business owner, financial advisor, uh, looking and hearing you say these things? What would be two things that uh, you would suggest to them if they aspire to do something similar uh, and create a culture that has that type of sustainment uh, with a, a vision that everyone knows? What would be your two items that you would recommend to them? Yeah, so um, probably with you've probably learned already, Ron, I give long answers. So I'm going to keep this one as succinct as I can. Um, and, and again, not, it's not because I'm here on your podcast and whether it be Think to Perform or another company, um, I think having someone help you get clear on what you want for yourself as the entrepreneur, CEO, business owner, um, that for me was the most important thing. And, you know, entrepreneurs... Um, are a rare breed and you know and leaders are a rare breed and a lot of times people in that position feel lonely because they don't have someone to talk to that gets it right and I can share for years not that I was lonely but I had very few colleagues that had the same DNA that I did and certainly you know not most here on my team so it was refreshing when I met Ray and I can kind of spill my guts to him for him to basically say, yeah, I know exactly how you felt. I used to feel that way myself and many of my clients feel that way, et cetera. So the first thing I would say uh, is, is in, you know, engage, uh, engage a coach of sorts, whoever the right fit for you is and your personality style. You know, and, and the second piece is, um, and this is you know, probably not exactly what you're asking, but I'd say, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Like it's okay to um, just have a really high paying job because you worked really hard and not have to build this, you know, bigger business where you're leading and develop many people, right? Um, so it's not for everyone and, you know, leadership and building culture, to, it's just different work. You're, you're, what you're doing is you're counting on others in the reality, and it's on you to develop them. And for a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, they've only had to count on themselves, right? Now, the, the flip side to that, Ryan, is um, if you only count on yourself, it can only get so big. And if you're okay with it not getting you know, bigger than you can do on your own, and you're, you're, you know, you're happy, and you've got a good job, and you're making a lot of money, and uh, you know, you in control of your own destiny and you don't need to deal with people and their emotions and their feelings and their issues, then you should probably keep doing what you're doing. But if you have a yearning um, to grow something bigger and to help people genuinely, I get more satisfaction myself when someone on my team buys a house or buys a car or hits a new income level, you know, or becomes a parent or whatever it may be, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah. Awesome. 
Really appreciate the time, John. This is this has been fantastic. My pleasure. I'm really, uh, really happy to be here today, Ryan. I appreciate it. As we wrap this episode, we're committed to helping you make the ideal real. If you found this program helpful, share it and help someone else make their ideal real too. Until next time, or think to perform, I'm Ryan Goulart. Take care. If you are interested in learning more about how Cut & Consulting Group can help you with comprehensive coaching or partnering with CPA firms in your area, feel free to visit our website at www.cutandconsultinggroup.com or reach out to us at 855-722-9393 to have a conversation.